1: all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
2: I, I do a lot of zagging when people zig, you know, because like there's opportunity to zig if you're on the early wave of zigging, but at some point zig <laughs> isn't cool anymore. And it's like, I want to go see some zag. <laughs>
1: everyone welcome to was it chance the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life I'm Heather vickery
0: and I'm Alan seals and Heather and I started off as two perfect strangers who met by chance at podcast movement
1: <laughs> and <laughs> where embra- we are right where now. we are
0: right now at embraced opportunity listen in as we chat with other successful people about the risks they've taken to put themselves on a path to creative success that's good yeah just close that's my laptop intro. I am freewheeling we don't now. know that
1: we don't know the intro we've only done it a lot lot of time. It's a crutch. And we still have to read it.
2: It's a crutch. Well,
1: I need to read it to read the bio but I'm gonna I'm gonna do a good job yeah,
2: I think. I'm gonna be looking at you in the eyes okay. as you do it. Oh,
1: that's that's no pressure at all friend. I was first introduced to today's two I can't. Could I, I'm in, yeah.
0: Nope I'm keeping that in. I'm keeping it. <laughs> two J's guests. I was first introduced. You want some ass water? To- <laughs> she asked if we wanted fresh ass, fresh ass fancy. water, fancy, fancy ass, ass water. water, I want some fancy, fancy got, ass water. Okay, but so okay, listen, ahead, go I got a intro, gift give basket when I got here, and yeah. I
1: got a bottle of Voss water. And if you know water, Voss is really fancy water. And and our guest today, who I haven't even introduced yet, because you keep interrupting me. Oh, it's all my asked fault. for some water, and I said I got some fancy ass water, and then Alan had to make an ass water joke. What makes so. water
2: fancy though Is it fancy branding, or is there
0: That's actually something question. about the water? Like, it's all H2O when you get down. If you zoom in far enough, it's H2O. What makes it fancy ass water? It's
2: actually very hard to read the, <laughs> the ingredients in
0: a clear bottle. It's it's white text on a clear bottle. I'm pretty bottle.
1: sure it's branding. I think it is, too. Yeah. Yeah, because that bottle of water costs like 6 or $7. It's well, What a great business. I know, right? It's been blessed. How did we not? We're all creatives. The factory. None of us thought of bottling water. Burn okay. sage. Stop talking. Ooh. I was first introduced to today's guest on Twitter. Jay Klaus has a natural ability to connect and inspire folks. Professionally, he helps people become professional creators. And and if you are like me, you want to know what that means because I know Jay and I don't even know what that means. He is the writer of Creator Science and the host of Creative Elements, a narrative interview podcast exploring how today's top creators make a living with their art and creativity. He's previously led the community experience team for Pat Pat Flynn, which is very cool, and Smart Passive Income. He's also the creator of the highly successful Tweet 100 Challenge. And just this morning, I heard him shout my name across the podcast movement Expo Hall. Heather! And I got to give him a real-life hug, and that was cool. And it's always so fun and weird to meet someone that you know virtually for the first time and feel like you're already friends. So, Jay, welcome to Was It Chance. Yes,
2: yeah,
0: welcome. Fun. This is fun. Am I, wait, am I allowed to talk? You're allowed to talk. Okay, now. welcome. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Thank you. Honored <laughs> to be here. Back on our topic of water, though, do you guys ever think about? Do you ever think about the water cycle? Like, talk about a cool natural phenomenon. It's unbelievable that, like, all the water that ever was is all the water that ever will be. Mm-hmm. It just cycles through different states of matter. It's crazy.
0: Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Right. And water. No, it's That's it's insane. Fascinating. It's insane to me. Like, uh, what was it? I was looking on Reddit last night and someone was talking about like, uh, it was on the Facepalm subreddit. Are you a Redditor? Do you, I'm not a Redditor. Well, I'm not either. Facepalm is one of my favorite subreddits because it's just people standing behind atrocious claims of really stupid things. And one of them mm. was like, did you know that that if the planet moved 10 feet in either direction all the water would boil or freeze and the world would be inhospitable and the and people were like actually the orbit is not perfectly circular it's an oval and we go like hundreds of miles in it you know like it, science and then the response to that was don't tell me i'm wrong in my own post like that was the facepalm i was like all right well yeah. they're not a creative person
1: but jay is but
0: jay is Tell so, us about Tweet 100 because... Oh, you're
1: just going to go right into Tweet 100? Well, sure. that's what, okay, that's that's where
0: I know him the most I know.
1: From. I invited you to right. Tweet 100. You did.
0: I want to know about Tweet 100 and then we'll back up and get into the origin of the creativity.
2: Well, a little bit about the way my brain works. Um, <laughs> I have a I see the smoke coming out of your ears. <laughs> yeah. I have a crippling fear of public failure. And so if I need to motivate myself, wow. what I will do is create a situation where I can fail publicly, and then mm. I won't. So Tweet 100 exists, and for those uninitiated, it's a free 100-day challenge so that I encourage you to publish one tweet per day on Twitter, something you're proud of. Uh, there's a little bit of a no-code leaderboard so you can see if you've done it, and it gives you a tally of your overall success rate over 100-day period. And I wanted to just create a system where I would encourage myself to tweet something good once a day, because I knew when I did that, uh, I saw success of getting in front of new people and uh, more email subscribers and just generally expanding my reach. And so I built a system where I could publicly fail so that I wouldn't.
1: That's insane. <laughs> like, how do you guarantee the not doing because you embrace the doing, how do you guarantee the not failing? Because you embrace the failing. I,
2: I'm just a big fan of understanding your neurology, your neurology, so that you can hack it. Because I, like, I think it's it's just kind of a, a puzzle, and everyone works a little bit differently, and you can figure out your own quirks and compensate for them by um, preying on your own fears and insecurities. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm here for that. I mean, that's my whole work is embracing your fears. Yeah, yeah, that's as a like professionally, that's what I yeah. do. Um, it, it worked really well and you did not go gently into that good night. Like you built a <laughs> intense software. In fact, I did, yeah. I did a challenge. And I think you said to me, I don't necessarily encourage you to do it the way I did it.
2: <laughs> That's my advice to everyone on everything. <laughs> Cause people will see something I do and they're like, how did you do this? And I'm like, well are you way. willing to like <laughs> pixel push and like screw around at the first two days here at podcast movement I, I had this vision in my mind i was like i need a little button that pops up that allows you to scroll to top on my website and i spent like five hours here at podcast movement making that work even though i don't know code because like i just i love little problems like that and i want little flourishes on top of all the things that i do which requires like a lot of weird tedious details and work so yeah, I do not recommend most of the time that people do so things okay. the way that I do them because it's incredibly time intensive and it takes away from other things that matter, frankly. Yeah. Where where did the crippling fear of failure come from? Probably a place
0: of ego. Like, have you failed big before and it was like an embarrassing experience or just the fear of not going through it developed and snowballed over time?
2: That's a good question. I mean, if we really want to psychoanalyze me, I think it's probably <laughs> that... Uh, I have high expectations of what I'm capable of, and I don't like to fall short of them. And I don't want other people to see me fall short of them. Mm. Um, and it's probably rooted in something with yeah. my childhood where like uh, all I wanted to do in, in high school was be a great football player and felt like I could never achieve that and, and just never was able to feel good about all the hard work I was putting in. and you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized that I often hide from situations where I will look bad because I don't want people to see me look bad. But yeah. like we all start as bad at everything. Absolutely. So is it just like, am I never going to acquire new skills again or am I going to do it in, in in the quiet, in the dark? And I usually do that a lot. It's like I'll, I'll go into a cave and I'll learn something until I feel confident enough <laughs> to show that in front of people. And then I'll show it in front of people. But I still have that fear of like just not performing.
1: It's really fascinating. I mean, it's definitely a perfectionist issue i'm listening and I'm like, i i i don't show up and do things that i don't know how to do like somebody must do that somewhere but it's constantly we beat that out of them don't we mm-hmm. god that's depressing I try, I try to do
0: that like if there's a challenge what were you saying about the personality types at dinner the other night where it was like it cre- taking here and, here and here and here and here and merge them all together and here's your solution like that's that's exciting.
1: You're talking about human design. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know anything about human design? No. So I'm getting certified in human design. It's um, there are a lot of things at play. It's it's astrology, the ancient Chinese I Ching, Buddhism, uh, chakras, all of all of that. Um, and there are five different human design types. And if you want later when we're not recording, I can pull your human design type. I would bet anything you're a generator, but we'll find out. This guy's a generator. Yeah. Um, but it What's actually, what's been interesting. So if we're talking about perfectionism and failure, I'm what's called a projector and I am designed to be more successful when I rest consistently. Mm -hmm. I got about three hours of hardcore work in me Mm -hmm. at a time before I absolutely have to take a break. And so my fear, my limiting voice has always been around Heather, you lazy fuck! You don't work hard enough. Mm, yeah. Why don't you? Everybody else is working so hard. Jay's working all the time. Alan's working. All, why can't you work all the time? What is wrong with you? And learning this about myself—that I'm innately designed this way—and there's a lot more to it. This is very just you know, surface level. Um, I've been able to go, oh, because that's what makes me good. Mm. So there's some freedom in knowing about ourselves. Anyway, let's go back. What is it? What? What? What is a creator to you?
2: Yeah. When I use the term creator, I'm talking mostly about online content creators. Okay. I mean, it's a very expansive term, even in the the way I'm describing it is pretty expansive. But I'm talking about online content creators, people who create digital assets, could be products, could just be like information, could be a blog post, could be podcasts, could be videos. People who create digital assets for the purpose of creating value for an end consumer and also capturing some of that value for themselves.
1: Mm. How did you get there?
2: Good question. It's been kind of a meandering path. I mean, the blunt, honest answer is I I fell in love with entrepreneurship, but I had a very limited view of what entrepreneurship was. I, thought, I thought it was high tech growth startups. And I did that for the first few years of my career. And then uh, I discovered freelancing. And I was like, oh, well, that's also entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I'm going to do that for a while. And then as I was doing more of that, I discovered online courses and the model that is like being a digital creator. And finally, that felt like it just fit so well, because the thing that drew me to tech was um, I was a I was a product guy. So I loved being able to see a problem in the wild, design a solution that served users and then make that thing actually be real in the tech world. That was through working with engineers and designers. And at the end of it, there was like all kinds of compromises that were put on the thing and it was no longer my vision. And it was always kind of a bummer because it's like this this perfect idyllic thing in my mind had to go through other people to become real and it never came out the other side as my vision. In the creator world, I have the the ability to create the things that I envision myself. Like there's mm-hmm. no one to blame but me for any compromises mm-hmm. or any changes. And so it's been just so cozy and nice. And on that journey, um, I found that I have a unique ability to identify trends and patterns and synthesize and contextualize things for people. So as I'm kind of learning the ropes, a lot of people are like, hey, how are you doing that? And so yeah. I just started teaching it to people. And um, that was just kind of the start of
1: it. I love that about you. You you create out loud. Yeah. Um, and I think because you two are very Alan and Jay are very similar, but Alan is like, hey, dumbass, why don't you already know how to do this? <laughs> and, and I don't mean that insultingly, but you're like, you're so high level tech. Like you think of things and you're like, how do you not know? how?" To, like what? And and Jay's like, I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to do it really publicly. And I'm going to show you how because I learn I how to fail, do it. Then it... <laughs> right. I get it. I see it. But it's fascinating to watch you do that. Um, and people just flock to it
2: i mean it's helpful it's helpful to people i i think i think a lot of people build businesses on obfuscating some of the things that they're learning and doing and the truth behind it uh because they think it's kind of their secret sauce and then they sell the dream of doing that thing and not like the actual you know recipe so it 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 just feels like there's a lot of limitations for people who are trying to learn this stuff and i genuinely do want to like teach and share as much as i can openly because honestly the best outcome for a lot of people who start following my work is that they realize oh i'm not willing to make mm-hmm. the the sacrifices or the trade-offs or put the time in to do this and mm-hmm. it's like great i hope i saved you two years i suspect if I mean, we are very similar so i suspect that
0: throughout all of this though so you're holding yourself accountable by doing it publicly so you will continue and not fail but then when you get there when you're done is there still that element of well it wasn't really good enough so i'm going to keep on going
2: sometimes i i've i've gotten in a really good routine of um done is the finish line i optimize for and good enough is the requirement (laughs) but once it's shipped i i iterate on it constantly like i'm constantly improving tiny almost inconsequential things
1: is that self-sabotage
2: i don't think so but i mean because it's it's not preventing me from actually achieving the goal like the first goal is done and shipped in in a in a functional useful way i think that the that iteration work is actually what slowly over time has given me an advantage Mm. because Mm -hmm. it just makes my work stand out
0: well that's that's going back to the development mentality it's launch and iterate right like you're doing design sprints yeah and that's where I've had conflict with other collaborators because there's some people I work with that are very much like, well, I need to know these are all our ingredients. Here's what it's going to look like. And we can't tell anyone about it until it's exactly at the end. And I'm like, but without user feedback, how are we going to make it what they need Yeah, or what, you know? So, so it's kind of like this compromise, right? So do you find that do you prefer to work by yourself in that sort of respect or is it is it helpful for you to have that
2: sort of uh, um, opposed way I, of thinking? I do tend to I'm an introvert, so I do tend to like want to make stuff in, uh, in a dark corner somewhere. But um, then I slowly start socializing with people and hearing the feedback. I'm very open to feedback as much as it still hurts me. Uh, I smile. I say, thank you. I sit with it. I sift through it and then I make changes based on that. So I am constantly like doing that cycle, but I like to get, um, my initial version, vision, belief as like the done point. And then I kind of iterate off of that. Um, because like I said, with my initial issues with development, it was, if I was going into user feedback too, too early, I think I would end up with something that I'm not interested in. Mm -hmm. And in in this creator world, the only thing I know for certain is it's a long game. And the only way to continue playing the game is to be doing things that are sustainable, making sustainable choices for you. And if I'm not interested in something, it's not going to be sustainable.
1: Yes.
0: Well, how do you keep it? how do you keep it interesting then? Because if YouTube is always changing their algorithm and you're hearing that Instagram is promoting Reels so they can compete with TikTok and TikTok's going to take over the world in a good way or it's a bad way and Facebook's on the way out unless you're a grandma, like, (laughs) or just my mom. Um, where, Where are you, I mean, there's so much to keep track of. Where are you putting your focus and I guess... Is it just sitting down and like, are you doom scrolling all day when you're not
2: writing code or like, where do you pull this in? I don't consume all that much. Um, I think, I think um, the information that you are willing to take in is very important and precious. Mm. Uh, So I, I rarely am like going through a feed of anything. Hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time making stuff because I have like just, I call them creative commitments, stuff that I've decided I will ship on a some regular basis and usually for me it's weekly so every week i'm putting out two newsletters one of them being very editorial uh, i'm putting out a podcast which is also a youtube video um, and just that at a minimum let alone whatever i put on social media which is generally one two posts a day per platform that's a lot mm-hmm. that's a whole lot to keep it interesting i'm just trying to make sure that again i'm making choices that are mostly for my interests um, because it's really easy especially in my world because I'm interviewing creators all the time, creators that are doing exceptionally well. And you talk to enough people who are, you know, 200,000 followers on LinkedIn, you see the patterns. You see yeah. the playbook. And I could do that, but it's not me. So, to what degree am I willing to compromise that? There's a certain there's a certain amount of compromise that would make it no longer interesting to me, which means it's not sustainable, which means it's not good. So I find myself, the tension I have innately all the time is I see playbooks for growth that I could do, but it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be interesting. And it's at the expense of speed of growth.
1: Playbooks for
2: growth. That's an interesting.
1: No, but I resonate with that really well because you're right. You're like, well, I know I could do all of these things and I could get that result. And I just don't fucking want to. Yeah. That doesn't feel good to me. And I, it's so nice to actually hear somebody say that because they're always pushing the follow the dream playbook. I mean, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that earlier and there's just so much more life to live in doing the things that you stay connected to and you'll, you'll get the result you want anyway. It it doesn't have to be,
2: I do think it's a long-term better business strategy too, because it's, it's going to make you stand out. It's going to make you different. Um, I, I do a lot of zagging when people zig, you know, because like there's opportunity to zig if you're on the early wave of zigging. But at some point, zig isn't <laughs> cool anymore. And it's like, I want to go see some zag.
1: But I really like that because giving people permission to not follow the pack, to not follow the playbook. But I'm sure that you take what you want from the playbook. Like, oh, oh let sure. me try this part. I'll try yeah. that part. Right. And you don't have to follow the whole thing. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. And we're back. Where do communities fit in this for you? So um, very brilliantly, in my opinion, you took this Tweet 100 community that you built and you were like, oh, hey guys, let's get together. And um, and it's morphed drastically just in the yeah. last, what, six, eight months?
2: Yeah, probably five months.
1: Five months? Has it been, I don't know, it's been a long year. Um, how does that fit in to what you're doing?
2: Well, this is actually a really good example in microcosm. So did Tweet 100. From the beginning, people were like, we should have a community for this. And I thought, I'm not interested. That's a lot of work. Community uh, of what? People. Like, they wanted a digital community space where the people going through this experience could interact gotcha. solely that group of people. Gotcha. And I could see a use case for that. But I was also still at the time working full time with Pat. And I didn't have the space for it. Space for it. Um, as the original like cohort of people who joined in early were reaching the end, I realized... I got to have some sort of next step for these people. They're going to be like, we did it now. What? And I, uh, by that time I was on my own and I was thinking that I wanted to create a community of some sort. So I thought now's the time I'll launch a community for folks in tweet 100. Uh, we started it. The people who joined were awesome. Um, but personally, I was not interested in talking about Twitter all day, every day. Right. It's a small part of what I'm doing. Right. So I began to not engage with that community to the standard that I would hold myself to and I realized I, I, I crave community and I want to build a community, but I want it to be more holistic for creators. So Tweet 100 actually evolved into what is now uh, The Lab, um, which is a community for creators who are really trying to become professional creators, which I would say is rewarding them financially for the mm-hmm. effort they're putting into mm-hmm. this enterprise. And um, it's pretty holistic. And it's also pretty expensive, to be honest. Um, it's It's got a high bar for people to join because... It's not for people who are early stage or aspiring or kicking the tires. I wanted to meaningfully work with a small number of people where I could help them move the needle. And that's been just perfect because it's it's perfectly built to what I'm interested in helping people do. It's curating for the type of people that I want to work with. And um, it's economically structured in a way where I can really justify putting a lot of time into it, which most people with communities just don't have. They haven't thought through that well enough.
0: Have you been able to learn and integrate into your teachings and your courses and your trend watching? Like when you work with it with different people, has there been any anything that surprised you that you've been like, "Oh, the I didn't see that before." This person does it really well. I'm going to pull this into all the time the rest of the course.
2: Happens yeah. all the time. Um, the most recent episode of my podcast was with Cat Norton. She's known as Miss Excel on Twitter and TikTok, or sorry, on TikTok and Instagram. She dances with Excel functions. She's like showing you how to learn Microsoft Excel. I love her head.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. She has there's a job for everything. She has
2: like eight hundred and sixty thousand followers on TikTok. <laughs> wow. Um, now I'm not gonna start dancing and putting that above my head. That's not the thing I took from her. The thing that I took <laughs> from her, and I think you'll appreciate but this, please, Heather. No, okay. Um, she the biggest thing that she worries about and thinks about and plans her day around for her content is she believes that every piece of content you create is just energy transmission mm. and she's like if you are in a negative headspace or you're doubting this thing or you're not excited about what you're making the people on the other end of the phone are going to feel that and uh i'm like 40% woo woo so i'm like kind of into it but i can't argue <laughs> with her results
1: no i i agree and and yet, so it's a, we'll pull in an improv. Yes. And I also think there's a lot of power in authenticity when you are a public creator. If we pretend we're happy and and everything's danceable all the time, it oh, feels unrealistic. Th- it's to not your... about
2: pretending. It's like, if I am not currently in a headspace to make this good. She then don't it. do it. I'm not going to do it. All right. It's like enough. she, she organizes her days so that she'll be in a good mood by the time it's time to create something That's and i find into that because i get i, I often i'm really just, just like stressed out by deadlines yeah. and creating something to hit a deadline that transmit that stress or mm-hmm. that like feeling i've got to get something out isn't going to be very effective
1: move the goalpost.
0: how do you balance that but like the stress the stress of deadlines the anxiety of public failure with maintaining the positive headspace to create positively and continue every day it's
2: really tough. I don't have a great answer. I mean, for me, the the best way that I can try to get there is to be uh, ahead of schedule. Yes. yes. Oh, that feels so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and inbox zero. Yeah.
1: Yeah, ahead of schedule, and and um, you know, you're on your own. You make the schedule, also.
2: I do, but the question <laughs> becomes if I'm if I'm on time or a little bit behind schedule, how do I become ahead of schedule? Yeah. And it's either declaring bankruptcy for a period of time. Or just powering through it. Yeah. And I'm somebody that chooses to power through it like nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't recommend I don't recommend that for most people because I got shingles two weeks before our wedding. Oh shit. Was that probably partially stress stress induced. induced? Yeah. Probably. And was the wedding some of that stress? Absolutely. But like part of it was we have a wedding, we have a week off, we have a two week honeymoon. I have a four month or a four week period of time where I'm not making stuff. I better do that now. So powering through it just isn't sustainable for most people, and they're not willing to make that trade off. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend
1: you take yeah. my path. Wow. <laughs> uh, so to talk about you know intentional risk, I feel like your public building, your public putting yourself out there to fail. That, I mean, to me, that is your intentional risk. Is that do you for sure? Do you have any other? Like, can you remember a time, maybe early in your life or early in your career, where you're like. I'm gonna try this really risky thing and it turned out great.
2: I mean, I haven't I haven't done anything professionally that wasn't fairly risky. No. Um maybe last year working with Pat. Yeah, building in public is a risky thing to some degree, but I'll be honest, like I think when you're good at building public, you're you're um better at showing positive momentum. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not about I'm not going to show everything in public. I'm still curating what I'm building in public. Right, of course. I'm I'm showing uh, mostly progress, momentum, wins, um, lessons learned. Sure, but if something doesn't perform, and I could be, I often don't say like, "Here's where this tanked." Um, <laughs> Why not? Uh, just because I don't see as big of an upside. Sometimes I do, but most most things that tank aren't even interesting tanks okay if it's something where it's like oh here's an insight that i think is pretty novel that i took from this thing tanking awesome i will do that for sure but most of the time it's like well i was hoping 20 people would buy this and 13 did
1: oh and it's not like a big failure It it's just did not didn't yeah it's not a big failure it's one like
2: one. it's not a fork in the road it's not that interesting yeah. all it's doing is saying like well maybe jay's not as good as like successful as we thought he was lies which doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but, but perception is reality. Sure. So um, sure. another example of this is um, I've been doing these $40 paid workshops for the last two years or so. Um, they're always like uh, very specific in what their outcome is. I've done one on email newsletters. I've done one on uh, community building. I've done one on freelancing. My community building crash course was the most successful of these workshops by far. And it was because um, I put on Twitter like a short thread that I'm doing this thing. People on Twitter were like, this is awesome. And then uh, people would screenshot that they purchased it and tweet it. And I was like, cool. And I'd retweet that. And I'd be like, hey, look, Heather's on board. And then someone else would be like, oh, cool. And then they would do that. And I retweet that. And I'm like, Alan's on board too. Um, And that public momentum is really what a lot of build in public can be for people. Uh, Now – I don't want everybody to just be doing momentum marketing. Right. I want them to be doing some true building in public, but a lot of my build in public is momentum marketing.
1: I, I love it, and I crack myself up when I fully know I'm quote-unquote fallen for it too, and you are one of a standout reminder of that. When you first did the Tweet 100, you did the – like it's so cliche, and I'm not I'm not harsh on you because it worked, and I did it. You are like, the first 10 people will get – yeah. 50% off. And I was like, man, I have been doing this for 100 motherfucking days. Like, I want in. Well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> here's
2: the thing. So uh, I have no problem about doing that because I'm very intentional about rewarding people who take early risk with me. Yeah. So your, your Tweet 100 membership became membership in the lab, which mm-hmm. right now is... $1,000 at a standard, like at a regular level, you paid $300.
1: I think I paid 150 Oh, you paid 150 I got a 50% off. Yeah, you're
2: right. Because it was a $300 membership. You paid 150 50, 50% off. And you can have that rate for as long as you want to be a member.
1: And the other thing is, I did that. I wanted to be in, but I felt like I'd gotten a ton of value from you for free. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy deserves my $150. Yeah. Uh, it,
2: Within the next two weeks, I'm raising the price to 1500 That's awesome. And... Again, like I just want to reward the people who take early risk with me. Like I would never raise the price on people who are already paying something. It's like you've got that locked in for forever. So I have no problem doing these like dropping of breadcrumbs or like creating some some urgency because ultimately that's going to serve you. If I do my job making something awesome, you're going to want to stick around. Mm -hmm. And I don't run discounts now where I'm giving people better prices than the people who have come before.
1: You can't do that. You Mm -hmm. can't do that. It lacks so much integrity. Yeah. Well, it's
2: auth-
0: authenticity, and like you said, rewarding rewarding the people who were there first who took chances, and that that's that's brand loyalty. You're building your own brand loyalty that way.
1: You have a lot of brand like people trust you.
2: Well, I'm just I'm willing to be like pretty. The people that I serve are so in this world. Jedi mind tricks don't work. <laughs> it's 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 a lot. <laughs> it's a lot easier to just be like, hey. I'm going to only open up 10 spots of this because otherwise you won't make a decision, <laughs> you know, right. like I'm willing to call that out because people understand it anyway. So let me like be aware of your awareness and people respect that. I think. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was just curious how you ended up because you do have this really lovely long form newsletter and you call oh, yourself you. a, what is it? Create creator scientist, creator scientist, which is sexy. Like I love that. I'm like <laughs> it's it, like I get it. It makes sense to me. How did that come about? Um and sure. also, man, how do you maintain that every week? That just it makes me tired to read it.
2: I mean, it's not it's not as intense as you would think because I build systems for things. So, the newsletter was actually the first experiment in public failure. In 2017, I was working at a startup and I had this limiting belief that I was not creative. I was I was an executor. I could do I could take someone else's vision and make it real, but I didn't have creative ideas myself. And so I said, fuck that. I'm going to prove to myself that I am creative, and I'm going to do that by publishing a blog post every day. Oh. Again, the only way to get myself Ooh, to do that was to have a degree of public failure. So I did it for a year, every day. Um, wow. and it became mostly uh, mostly garbage. I mean, it was it was like whatever was on my mind. It's it, like was, an it was
1: like anything. was it was, do it it every was like day. A,
2: yeah, it was like a 500-word zanga post you know. Oh, I remember Zanga. Yeah. It was like that style. It wasn't on Zanga, yeah. but it was very much like I was trying to be Seth Godin, like that <laughs> style of thing. Um, and writing every day, like I don't have a lot of great ideas. There weren't a lot of bangers in that, but it did build a muscle and it did build trust in myself that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And a lot of people don't trust themselves and they, they, they compromise with themselves and talk themselves out of things. And, uh negotiate out of things. So I built that muscle then. The newsletter now is becoming a weekly thing. It's called creator science. And it's more along the same of, you know, let me break down and analyze what creators are doing that is controllable, things yeah. you can learn from and apply. Um and it's it's kind of modular. So the top part of the newsletter is editorial. I'll have an article that I write. Then I'll typically have a sponsor of that newsletter so they'll have a block. Then I'll have a block with the uh, podcast episode that I published that week. Um, sometimes I'll put a couple of like things that I looked at, consumed, links that I think are worth passing along, and then I'll have just kind of a brief sign off. I'm just thinking about tweeting every day is hard enough.
1: Well, the, I know that's why he's not still writing a blog post every right, day. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's a lot, that's a
0: lot of words, and and again, it goes. It goes back to this has come up several times. Is is my own mental hang up about writing about myself. I'm like, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to hear that. It's not true. And and or my ideas aren't good enough. And I relate to that totally of of I'm not creative. I can take other people's ideas and polish them and make them great. And but that allows me not to fail because I'm taking somebody else's yeah, idea that's You're not good. taking
1: an intentional risk when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you recall, like you just seem to have such a natural willingness to take intentional risk? Is this were you born with it? Is there a pivotal moment? Where maybe, you're it's I, uh, maybe it's Maybelline.
2: Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't think anyone's born with it. I think I think it's a practice skill.
1: I think some people are.
2: I think maybe mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it probably is more into the nurture side of things, and they had models growing up where they okay. saw where they saw that, and they were given the space to fail. When they were young um, because i think a lot of our aversion to failure comes from not being given the space getting strong reactions from other people when we fail people that we really want their approval when we're when we're young mm. and um we also are just ingrained with passing tests our entire childhood or it's like there is a literal numeric bar of failure which is like the worst thing you can do absolutely
1: (laughs) absolutely
0: what was was it with you i heard something the other day that it was something about about teaching that instead of focusing on improving grades for in children that are not doing well i mean obviously there's gray areas and exceptions but instead of focusing on improving the grades that aren't good and focus on encouraging the grades that are Mm. to move them into what they really love and what they're passionate and good at
1: yeah so this goes back to i'm certified in positive psychology and there's a whole subset of positive psychology in, in character strengths and the science shows that you should not try to get better at the things you suck at you should use the things you're innately good at and raise up from there it
0: was you that was telling me this probably i've been
1: talking about that for a long time now that's harder when you're in school and you need grades you need grades to get into college like you want to do all of these things although i think our grading system is for shit and i don't think you know whether or not you're a good memorizer or a good test taker says Mm -hmm. whether you have value or importance in the world but nobody really cares what i think about that um but yeah as a i mean as a coach i'm constantly telling people like Okay, first of all, are you actually not good at the things you think you're not good at? Because that may be bullshit. But what what is your innate skill? What are your innate talents and how can you build on that? Um, and that kind of makes intentional risk a little easier, right? If you know yeah, you got a little skill there.
2: Yeah, and also like I'm in a very privileged position. Like I'm a straight white male yeah. in the USA um, and I've always had a feeling of some level of safety net um we don't come from a wealthy family by any means but i know like if things got bad i could go live with my parents or or get some help somehow Mm -hmm. so it's a lot easier to take intentional risk when it doesn't feel all that risky in the ultimate sense
1: i think that's true and then i also think there's another side of that where if you don't take intentional risk you're gonna have to stay in a space that doesn't feel acceptable Like when we talk about people from really low income, I mean, I think this is how people get into, uh, we'll call it on illegal entrepreneurship, right? Like I don't want to stay, I don't want to be sleeping on a dirt floor with rats crawling over me. I'm going to fucking do something different. So that innate desire to take a risk to change your situation, I think, you know, it's there for everybody.
2: Oh, it's definitely there for everybody. It's, 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 it, I just feel like it was easier
1: for me. Sure.
0: What Heather was saying a second ago about leaning into things that you're good at. Is, is that how you're approaching, like when you're coaching your, the, the other creatives and whatnot, do you first look at and say, look and say, all right, this is working. This isn't let's do more of the stuff that is versus improving the stuff that isn't.
2: Yeah. I'm getting increasingly brutal with my feedback because I realized that, um, I have an eye for what's going to work and what's not going to work or like what's really holding you back. And it's tough to hear because the people that I work with are creative people. They're artists uh, or aspiring to be. And we are in a time when um, the bar is pretty high Mm -hmm. for what you have to do to stand out. And it doesn't serve them for me to play with the kid gloves and give them 50% of what they need to change when it takes a hundred percent change to, to actually find success. So I do, I do try to focus on looking at, okay, so what are you uniquely good at? And let's, let's like turn that up to a 10 and, um, not even just like right now, but I'm thinking increasingly more about what, what are your advantages that continued time in this space? Compounds your advantage, mm. so that as time passes and more entrants come into the field, mm-hmm. they aren't surpassing you off the bat because they already have some unique advantage that you're not going to be able to catch. Oh, I like that, um, and that's tough. That's tough for people. Uh, it's tough for me because, like, that's earned insight that is hard earned over years.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think you package that really well because you are a nice guy and you're an approachable guy. I had a live session with you once and I, first of all, I was like, God, I walked away like, you fucking know that shit already, man. But you just said to me, you know, that's not true. Do you remember that? I don't know. You talk to a lot of people like <laughs> every day remember. you do, <laughs> but I, I gave you whatever my bullshit story was on why oh, I yeah, couldn't yeah. launch my thing. And yeah. you were like, you know, that's yeah, true. because
2: you're talking about like, well, I have <laughs> all of these clients who have already paid me for something. I'm like, what are you talking about that? You can't just go to these people who have already paid you and ask them if they want to pay you for this other thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated it because I was like, all right, asshole, you know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so just sometimes we need somebody on yeah, the outside need, to tell us the sure. thing that we already know. For yeah. sure. For sure. All right, folks, one more quick break. at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. You still with us? Here's the rest.
0: Consultants are great, and coaches are wonderful, and everybody needs some form of- Is he of, about to insult us? No, 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 not at all. There's there's no <laughs> but here. I'm just saying, like the stuff that, that we have been talking about and the stuff that we learn on this podcast by interviewing people, every time we come out of one of these interviews, and I'm always thinking to myself- yeah, I knew that. I knew that already. Why didn't I act on it? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I act why on it? Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? And that's why I really love the concept of this podcast. It's like just, uh, all right, someone asks you to do something? Sure. If it makes sense and it's not hurting people, give it a shot, right? Yeah. And so that's it, it, it's only happened in the last couple of years that, that really, like now in my late 30s, early 40s, that it's starting to kick in and be like, well, what have you really got to lose? Mm. And I yeah. wish... What you're saying about compounding the knowledge, right? If I can impart this knowledge to the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings and say like, listen, you just got to do it because you got to learn from what doesn't work and try take chances so that you can move forward faster.
2: I think there's a lot more space than people realize for being aspirational Mm. where you don't have to say, well, what are my unique skills in this moment? You say, what are the unique skills that I want? Mm -hmm. And sure, those could and probably should play off your strengths. But the example I would give you is like, take Ryan Holiday, the author. He he brought the idea of stoicism kind of back to modern interest. And anyone getting into that field now talking about stoicism, they're not going to catch his level of knowledge in that space because there just weren't a lot of people doing it. Um, and it didn't have it didn't have to be when he did it. It could have been 10 years earlier. It could have been 10 years later. It wasn't uh, so in the zeitgeist that there was a ton of competition right away. And now he's that guy and his his time spent in it is just continuing to compound and accrue to him because he made a choice of this is something I have some interest in. I'm just going to become the guy for this, even though it's not like popular or sexy right now. I'm going to make it that. And I think a lot of people could do that for other subjects that aren't so timely. You know, like we get swept up in the cultural waves of interest of certain things, and people just begin saying, well, I'm going to hop on that train too. And there's probably a bunch of people having that thought, and chances are there's a lot of them who already have a natural advantage over you. When you pick some area that people aren't really focused on and say, I'm going to accrue a long-term compounding advantage here, that's really powerful and You don't have to be as frenetic and manic about your timeline with it either because like there's aren't other people playing in that space yet
0: i guess are you okay with not standing out my original question was how do you make sure you're always going to stand out because i i feel like case in point we're here at podcast movement here in dallas and there are so many podcasters and so many speakers and presenters and people who've developed software and new gadgets and new ad systems and everything and there's creators in everything so when you look at the whole playing field is it intimidating or encouraging
2: both i mean i have definitely had to check my ambition a little bit because i had always thought that i was like at the highest level of ambition and so i would compare myself to like the one-of-one one type people, like Mr. Beast, you know, or someone who's just, like, at the top of the mountain, and over the last couple of years, I've started looking more deeply into these people's actual lives. There was a really yes. great, there was a really great profile on Ryan Seacrest a few months ago. All right. Um, Ryan Seacrest, like, incredibly prolific guy, uh, started on an American Idol, but he has his, like, daily talk show that mm-hmm. he was doing, like, Kelly and Ryan, and they did this profile of him where they followed him around he is um scheduled every minute of every day i could not do that he has team members in his car with him who call the next stop they're spotting or next stop they're stopping at and say hey ryan's gonna be there in 15 minutes you guys are gonna be ready to go he walks in sits down performs gets back in the car and goes yeah he doesn't have a partner he doesn't have kids and i realized that a lot of these people at this level they're making trade-offs that I'm just not willing to make.
1: Absolutely. They're living
2: places I'm not willing to live. They're traveling more than I'm willing to travel. They're they're not having family life at all. So I've had to re-look uh, at what what is my actual level of ambition? and What can I actually expect in that way? And so I can't stand out by just being the biggest, right? It's just not going to happen. It's mm-hmm. not realistic. A better expectation is like, I want the people who read my work, watch my podcast, join my community. I want them to be people that I can meet in real real life and be like, I'm, I would hang out with that person. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and that just comes through in like how you flow through your content and who, who you attract to you. And I don't know how big that market is. Um, certainly bigger than what I've captured so far, but it's not as big as what other people have done. But it's
1: big enough. And sometimes we have to let enough be enough.
0: Now we need to hear you say, this is American Idol.
2: (laughs) This is American Idol. There we go. You're high. That
1: was good. What announcer voice you got.
2: I watch a lot of American Idol.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) said when J Lo left, I left.
2: I haven't watched since like the second season. Is it even still going? Oh yeah. Is it really? They just had their twentieth anniversary this past like a couple months ago. Well,
1: they stopped it and then they came back.
2: Yeah, they came back to they came back to ABC now. Did so? You think you can dance?
0: Come back? I like that because that was like you can't auto tune dance.
1: I haven't watched that one, but Alan knows Justin Guarini, Ooh. and we're gonna have Justin on the show. Um, so I think that's funny. Season
2: two runner up season one he was behind kelly clarkson yeah, he was behind, yeah 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 wow yeah does he still have great hair he does he <laughs> still has amazing hair
1: <laughs> wow. so now we really have to get justin was like i'm moving in august we'll do it in september, yeah, we'll do it in september. we've <laughs> got to get the interview Yeah, we will, we will and i you'll have to remind me as i don't want to tell it twice but then you'll have to tune in jay i have a funny uh american idol story i'm going to save it for the justin interview all right and then jay'll just have to listen Wow, <laughs> so if you want to know it wow <laughs> cliffhanger <laughs> cliffhanger um jay this has been so great thank you for, for sure. stepping away from the conference to come and chat i i just enjoy you i really appreciate how you lead by example um integrity and kindness and that we can build from that yeah um, so thanks nice for what you together. what you give to the world. Thanks, thanks for being a platform. To,
0: lovely to meet you in person. Yeah, and yeah, I will be. I'm gonna try to tweet every day. Great. And and still get back
2: on that wagon and be out there. Get Put back myself, on there. Yeah, I mean you've got you got a verified badge.
1: You've got <laughs> to right?
0: You've
2: got to do it.
0: Right, I yeah. I <laughs> guess it's part of my obligations to <laughs> to the to the social verse now.
1: <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, guys. Okay. I think Jay is such a fascinating person.
0: So interesting. I always initially, not anymore, but initially was like, oh, if you're going to become popular, get a following, make it, I put in air quotes, you got to be an extrovert. You have Mm -hmm. to be comfortable speaking in public. And he is one of many people now that we have talked to and that I've talked to in so many different aspects of life that don't do it, I guess they, what am I trying to say? Is that you don't need to be an extrovert yeah. to be really good at it, but they're doing, they've gotten in this position where they are able to speak and present and teach because they followed what they love to do, not just have a love for speaking.
1: Well, I think the, the digital virtual world helps with that. Absolutely. Because you're behind a screen. But I really love this idea of public failing, this approach of it like i'm gonna do this out loud and publicly and if i screw it up everyone's gonna see it and it's all gonna be fine versus i'm gonna do it i'm gonna fail quietly and then i'm gonna have to just sit with that shame and nobody knows yeah it's really fascinating that's i don't know how
0: how do you fail publicly i mean do you just say all right i'm gonna try to build a tv now and then document it and then when your tv ends up looking like a refrigerator (laughs) you're like oh i guess i messed up
1: well i mean i think for jay he he's built communities he built tweet 100 he's the i think it went from the tweet 100 group to creative companion to now it's the lab um what was fascinating to me he said i'm gonna i'm gonna fail publicly because then i won't And I think what he means by that, I tried to sort of pull that out of him, but I, you know, we'll see. So Jay, when you listen to this episode, did I get it right? I think what that means is if you're really authentic and vulnerable and you're building publicly, it's all just a process. There isn't really failure because you're, you're trying, you're learning, you're showing up, you're trying, you're learning, you're showing up versus I'm going to sit back here on my own. I'm going to build this whole thing. And then if it doesn't work, boy, I fucking failed.
0: I interpreted it completely differently. And oh. Jay, if you're listening, let me know if I got it right. Yeah. That I think it means that he is publicly committing to something so that he is being held accountable.
1: Definitely. There's definitely accountability. I agree.
0: And therefore the people, knowing that he has made a an unofficial promise to an undisclosed, unknown amount of people who are now expecting him to finish now that's the the pressure he not pressure but the the drive he needs to allow himself to continue and finish
1: yes i think both i think what you said and what i said there's i know there's an accountability piece and i heard that i mean tweet 100 was i want to tweet every day because i know that'll serve me Mm -hmm. and also how about i do this out loud and see if anybody wants to join me and I think then he complicated the process, but it worked out really well for well, him. Well
0: you took your answer and my answer, so you sort of cheated. So you're gonna win no matter what. I get to win. You get to win no matter
1: what. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we both understand how this relationship works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, how can they find us online, Heather? Oh how can gosh. people what? We're so easy to find. You what? can find us on Instagram. You just have to go to was it chance uh, on Instagram. On the Instas? And follow us. Send us a DM.
0: Dim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do
0: you know, I say like burb. You know, when I'm going somewhere, I'll say uh, burb. BRB, well, burb.
1: So we've had this, the it, our very first interview with James Harkness. Mm-hmm. I said that my <laughs> that my kids say lol instead of laugh out loud. Lol. You should find, can we pull up that clip and and fit it in right here because then James goes very deadpan instead of just laughing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if I can find it, here it is.
1: She was just pronouncing LOL and I'm like, wait, who does that? She's like, that's what we all do. I'm like, y'all say lol. And <laughs> okay. Instead sorry, of don't... laughing. Instead <laughs> of just laughing. Uh, our website is wasitchance.com And our email is wasatchancepodcast at gmail.com. And we actually want to hear from you, right? Trudette.
0: Yeah, we want to hear how you are embracing chance, what opportunities you have embraced to to create your success, to find success and manifest your own creativity. I messed that up so hard. I'm
1: curious to know, based on this conversation we've had today with Jay, which was so lovely, how do you like to fail? Because we're going to fail, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you... Bring it in and then learn from
0: it. Tell us how you like to fail.
1: All right. We want to hear about that. Uh, Folks, you've been listening to Was It Chance? We're the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Heather Vickery. And I'm Alan Seals. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.